0: Hello and welcome to the second of two very special editions of the Life of Die podcast. Once again, I'm in conversation with legendary tabletop games designer Andy Chambers about Warlords 2000 AD games. In the first special, Andy talked about his own love of the Galaxy's Greatest Comic and discussed the process of designing and then releasing the Strontium Dog Miniatures game. And in this second part, the focus turns to Judge Dredd. And if that isn't enough thrill power for you earthlets, keep listening if you want to hear a lot more about the future for 2000 AD tabletop gaming. Moving on to Judge Dredd, Andy, how did you find the process of writing that game differed from your experience in Strontium Dog? Presumably there was a lot less on the mechanics side to do. Uh,
1: yeah, and that was kind of the plan as well of like why we did Strontium Dog first is because it was going to be another like skirmish gunfight effect to do Judge Dredd. So it was a good way of testing out um, the dynamics of that.
0: And as I mentioned, with over 40 years of strips in the prog, I mean, presumably must have been fairly overwhelming trying to figure out what you were going to have in the game.
1: Uh, For just shred? Yeah. Yeah, really, absolutely. It's like, you know, do you pick one of the classic strips? Do you like Apocalypse War or something like that? Do you do something generic? One thing that made life a little bit simpler was that Paul was keen to do Mark II Lawgivers just for the castability of them. Because the Mark I Lawgiver has got a very long, thin barrel to it. The Mark IIs are a lot more chunky-looking, and it was pretty clear that, A, Mark I lawgivers tend to look a little bit wimpy. They even did in the strips back in the day, it must be said. Yeah. Whereas, like, Mark IIs have got a bit more chunk to them, and it would just be more practical to make them that way. It would also help to tie them more closely to the Carl Urban Dread film, which wasn't so very long ago. So in terms of, like, kind of recognisable imagery... Some of the decisions were were already being made in effect because it's like, well, there's a modern take on dread that isn't the same as it was in the 1980s exactly. A lot of it is the same, but a lot of details about the kit and stuff like that have changed slightly to as much to, to sort of fit with modern taste as anything like that. Like I say, the, the original one lawgivers look a bit weird, frankly, to modernize.
0: I think a lot of people that even are familiar with, you know, that have a lot of love for the early strips, which I think most people or a lot of the 2000D community do. I think there, there's a number of us of a certain age <laughs> who are looking back at this from our childhood and, and, you know, the, maybe the first 10 years probably are their favourite. But I would agree that the uh, the choice with the, the lawgiver was the right one, mate, because it's, it's one of the, the kind of, as you say, weaker points of the, the design, unfortunately. Because um, the design's really strong in Judge dread in general terms. They're really iconic.
1: The, the actual Judge dread uniform, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I say it's just the gun lets it down a little bit. Not a big deal. And like I say, the, the lawmaster bikes as well have have gone through a lot of different iterations over the years. It's not a problem, you know. There are more types of them. You know, there isn't just one kind of motorcycle. But when you're making a miniatures range, you need to nail down to like, okay, what kind of lawmaster are we doing? Is it a classic Bolland one or is it a more recent one? La 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 la. Is it an exqueerer one? <laughs> and so on. The, all these decisions we didn't have to make with Strontium Dog because Strontium Dog was easy because I say one artist did most of the work on it. So you could just say, it like that, and say it's not enough like the, the original artwork and, and things like that. And that was a legitimate criticism, which is dread. It's a, it's a bit more diffuse. Yeah.
0: And in terms of the, the differences between the two strips, was there any key differences between the setting and the tone of the two that you wanted to bring to the gameplay, to differentiate between the two games?
1: Yeah, there, there was, um like I say, the the Strontium Dog was very, it's very much a spaghetti western, western gunfight. the shred isn't so much like that, it's far more sort of crime drama. So there, there was the idea of like one side being fairly faceless criminals of one description or another, set so against the, the very sort of like sharply defined judges it's pretty clear we'd be doing that from earlier on, so the cast of characters will be quite different, for one thing. You know, you get a few named villains in Dread, but they aren't even necessarily, like, tough fighters and things like that. You know, they'll often be like crime lords or something, rather than, you know, a guy who can draw and fire three guns with his three arms or something along those lines. So, we knew we'd have to be a bit more um, broad with the, the opposition for the gangs of Mega City 1, whereas the judges themselves would actually be very bound, standardised kit all the rest of it, so there was quite a strong contrast there between how Strontium Dog was, where it was like well, it's a bunch of individualistic mutant bounty hunters fighting each other to, well, we got law and order on one side, chaos on the other, da da da, da now to do that
0: <laughs> Yeah, I mean that was something I'd, I'd noticed myself, that it's obviously more generalised groups like the block gang, the site of death fatties, and, and so on, so presumably that was a quite a challenging thing because you were you were going from individual characters to more generalized groups i suppose
1: yeah absolutely too it, it was effectively like taking the the allies section out of strontium dog and kind of boosting them up into more like faction sections so a bit more kind of classic war game and if i'm honest just dread doesn't doesn't really benefit from it too much if i have my time again i might do that differently because you can pick a killer gang out from Judge Tread and the, you know, the the judges will be running scared. So uh, a bit more randomization, something like that, I think, was probably called for rather than, oh, here's an army list. You know, pick what weapons you want and so on. Because, again, Wargamers, I'll pick the best ones. <laughs> of course. Why <laughs> should I have a load of juice with tire chains when I can have, you know, a sniper with a sniper rifle sitting on the block halfway across the table? And so on and so on. So yeah, suffers a little bit from that. I think overall, not quite what we were looking for.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a shame. I I, I wish people would just play it for the fun of it rather than. I, I suppose it depends. You know, some people are power gamers and, and they enjoy that. I can I can understand that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So so and you know, God bless them. I, I don't hold anything against them. That's the way um, some people enjoy a game. If you give them those tools, they will they will happily wield them. So as a designer, really, it's it's more on you than anything else. It's not on the gamer. You give them those tools, you know, you get exactly what you signed up for at that point. And, uh, yes. So as a as a veteran games I should know better. Really should know better. <laughs> <laughs> By now. Because it's a, it's a fairly predictable outcome. But, oh well. Onward and upward, as they say on that front. And it's not like Just Red is a terrible game. It's okay. And as I say, if you play it for fun, it's a fun game. But uh, it's more breakable, I think, than Strontium Dog is. And for some people, that's where the fun is.
0: <laughs> some people love that stuff, I know. Yeah, absolutely. As we alluded to earlier on, the mechanics of Judge Dredd are very similar to those in Stronton Dog. But one significant change was that the chicanery cards were replaced by the Big Meg cards. What were the reasons for that change, and how do you think it altered gameplay?
1: Really, the, one of the things you'll notice about Judge Dredd, if you read the comic uh, enough, is that one of the biggest characters in it is actually the city itself. It's this totally wild sci-fi sort of a place that's also, you know, got some really nasty back alleys to it, and there's always weird stuff going on, all kinds of weird fads that the citizens follow, and all this sort of thing. And they'll they'll invariably feature into the story at some point about, you know, whether people are into boinging this week or some kind of new chewing gum. And we wanted to get an aspect of that into the game itself, but, you know, an awareness that the Big Meg was a, a place, a real character, this sort of canvas that you're playing out. Uh, your game across. So that was really why we, we felt very strongly that we wanted to have some sort of like almost random event cards that would reflect different things happening in the Meg and give us some chance to, you know, play out some well worn artwork and go, remember these guys? <laughs> Whereas the chicanery thing sort of like it really suited Strontium Dog because it is very spaghetti western and backstabby and, you know, people playing dead and stuff like that was um, really sort of fit the theme a lot better so it kind of made sense to cycle that out we obviously we were going to need armory cards in both games because they, they've got very similar systems so um yeah we traded off our canary for sort of like random events with the big mag deck instead um for a flavor really just make it distinctly judge Dreddy.
0: no definitely and it it was successful now and, and once again it's the same as strontium dog that the cards have that visual element where you've got the, the artwork from the, the strips which You know, as a fan, you love seeing that stuff and and seeing how it's actually working in the game itself. Um, So I I found that a lot of fun. Another thing that really pleased me about Judge Dredd as someone who's already a a big fan of the Strontium Dog game was that there was so much continuity in the rules between both games. So it meant, as somebody who's getting on a bit these days, (laughs) it was easy for me to jump from playing Strontium Dog
1: into Judge Dredd. I mean, from the outset, we, we knew we wanted to have a fairly universal set of rules to cover uh, different 2000 AD strips. Uh, mm-hmm. And we actually picked Strontium Dog as being a more kind of like enclosed set of miniatures and part of the universe that we could try the idea out on and, you know, like get, get the rules perfected for before moving on to other topics like Judge Tread. So that was always kind of in the mix, that we wanted the, the system to be very, very similar to each other.
0: No, that's, it was uh, much appreciated anyway. In my, in my end. <laughs> definitely, yeah. I mean,
1: plus, plus, we actually wanted to be able to transpose characters directly from one to the other because they do that in the strips, you know. Yeah, Johnny Alpha and Wolf do show up in Mega City One uh, as you know, time traveling bounty hunters at some stages and stuff like that. And we really wanted that to be uh, an ability because that's one of the, the other good reasons to do Strontium Dog first is because it's kind of rife with dimension hopping and time traveling and stuff like that so you can like intermix or duplicate characters and it's like okay it kind of fits in with the universe it's whack, out there they've got necromancers and all kinds of stuff you know so being able to take that real wildness and then sort of like put it into the into the arena with judge tread as well was always really on the cards for us and we wanted the, the two to work together in that regard
0: yeah and it's got the there's a particular uh, big med card which Allows you to bring uh, Johnny yeah. and Wolf into the
1: yeah yeah we 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 literally have the random event for it in the big man cards. If you have Johnny Alpha and uh, Wolf Sternhammer, you can like have them bink into your game to come and arrest somebody for the crimes of their great great grandchildren or something like that.
0: <laughs> and seeing as you mentioned about kind of cross hopping with the games, one of the things I was going to ask was about how close the game systems are with in relation to the notoriety. It's the costs are both.
1: They're, they're, they're worked on exactly the same system, yeah. so all cross compatible. And it's one of these ironic things as, as a games designer, you, you kind of have this potential thrust on you to a certain extent where you feel like each game you do should be different from the last one, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, you should develop it in some new and intriguing way or something like that. But The thing that struck me most from reading feedback about Strong Dog and Just Dread is like your response of the relief people have that they don't actually have to learn a new set of rules and that they can just apply the stuff they've already learned to this game and it works fine it's okay you don't need to relearn it you know maybe with the odd little tweak here and there but it's fundamentally the same so it kind of really reinforced that point of like actually that's a good thing to do and you know sometimes you don't want that game designer pretension to get in the way of people just being able to get on and play the game really you know it's fine as it is you don't need to mess with it
0: yeah and i think it's fair to say that probably if you're a tabletop gamer who likes strontium dog or likes judge dread you're probably going to buy both games anyway you're probably invested enough in the setting that
1: yeah absolutely you have got you know miniatures that will work alongside each other and you, you want to kind of intermingle them really so yeah. yeah why try and make them separate walled gardens in effect when you, you can actually have the same sort of thing as you see depicted in the 2008 strips of it being like a wacky universe that does cross over at times and stuff like
0: that. Yeah, and and even, I think, um Hammerstein's even crossed over into Judge Dredd before. So, you know, if it one day there was a <laughs> Nemesis or ABC Warriors, they would equally be quite able to come into the Judge Dredd universe in one way or another. And again, Nemesis has a thing with time travel as well. I'm not suggesting that's on the calendar, by the way.
1: Just hypothetically. No, I mean, to me... To me, trying, trying to, you know, engineer that as much as possible I, I think is, is part of the key of doing the 2008 AD game series that, you know, it does work together because it's comic strips and that's that's what they do. You know, they do cross over, they do intermingle, they do borrow ideas off each other and things like that. So uh, I think that's a good thing. Although we have a
0: tale to tell about that later on in this particular interview. All right, okay. So uh,
1: we'll get to that when we
0: get to it. <laughs> well... Just continuing the theme of the of the mixing the games, have you actually ever run a game where you've been using both systems at once? In other words, like if you had like the judges of Mega City One using the big Meg cards and they encounter a band of muties who are using the Chicanery cards, and if so, did that? How did it play out? Did it work?
1: Because because the the cards are owned by players, uh, it's fine. Actually, it works out. You know, one side is slippery; and the other side has the the randomness of the city almost on their side. So, yeah, yeah we have tried that, and it, it it just worked okay. Really, admittedly, that was like three players. I think going on there.
0: Yeah, I think it was a lot of fun.
1: Well, uh, that's one of the nice things about the system is it it, it plays to multiple players pretty easily as well. It's it's sort of fairly well adapted for mm. it because of the way the playing action chips works. It's just like okay, that guy or those guys go next, and it doesn't matter whose players they are. The turn sequences integrated
0: anyway absolutely yep yeah. bringing things back just to judge dread again for a moment mm. obviously the kind of core rulebook book features the likes of dread anderson judge death and mean machine angel But i'm just i'm wondering about the process of picking the key characters to feature in the game that must have been <laughs> horrendous uh given the the 40 years worth of characters and the enemies that dread has faced yeah, yeah,
1: it went went through a few rounds, that's for sure. Uh, I mean, some of them are given. Some of them are really, really, really obvious. and clearly going to have Judge Dredd. That means really you have Anderson as well. Uh, Judge Death, yeah, of course. And beyond that, yeah, you, you the, the, there's a lot of ground to cover, frankly. One of the things that we knew in a general sense that we wanted to do was kind of show the more modern style of Judge Dredd. Mm-hmm. I think I might have mentioned this before because, again, it's evolved over the years, and different artists have portrayed things in different ways. So you've got multiple different images of Lawmaster bikes over time. Yeah. There's been a conscious change um, to the lawgivers, you know, the pistols that the judges have, going from the Mark One lawgiver to the Mark II lawgiver. You know, that's been a thing in the strips themselves, and the you know, problems with the new gun and all this kind of stuff. And that made it kind of easier in a way because the old Mark One lawgiver is is a bit weird looking by modern sensibilities. And it's really stalky and long, which means it's hard to cast, uh, and you know, prone to warping and stuff like that. So it was like, well, ideally, we would like the chunkier-looking, you know, Mark II lawgiver on these guys. So that kind of, like, presented more of, like, well, we probably want the more modern styling in that case, in a general sense. Plus, with the more recent Carl Urban movie that came out, there's been a push through 2000 AD for a particular image of Judge Dredd, and we, we kind of tried to cleave to that more closely. So that in itself... Kind of, like, affected which characters we'd look at. We thought about all kinds of things. I'm like, well, you know, we could do specifically the Judge Charge saga, for example, or we could do Crossing the Cursed Earth or something like that. But no, really, we wanted it sort of set in the day to day, you know, crimes and fights in Mega City 1. So we wanted it to be kind of current. We wanted it to be set in Mega City 1. And that, that kind of brought the, um, the number of different characters to look, look at down to a bit more of a manageable selection. Mm -hmm. And of course, within all this as well, you don't want the whole range to be just characters. You need to have some just grunts and criminals and regular judges in there and stuff like that as well. So that kind of fills out a certain number of slots. So, but yes, it was some very difficult choices. You can blame Paul Sawyer, actually, for most of them. (laughs) He was mainly We've got to have this guy. Oh, we've got to have her. And all that sort of stuff. <laughs> I think because he had a really strong um, visual image of how they would look as miniatures mm-hmm. that he liked and, you know, wanted to pursue that. It's like, like I say, as you say, there's 40 years worth of characters, so pick and choose the ones that look cool is, is as good a way of approaching it as any, really.
0: Oh, definitely. And since you're mentioning the log cover, there, I agree with you, by the way, about the uh, the Mark One, mm. As somebody that owned some of the old Games Workshop Judge Dredd figures. Oh, right. We yeah, kept yeah. losing, we kept having those stems breaking off the, the gun. Yeah. So it was really frustrating. So it was like, a, a, even if it was, even from the design aesthetic aside from a...
1: Yeah, they they don't even really look particularly good. You know, they're, they're very much a product of their time. Yeah. And I, I understand the desire to sort of like, you know, well, let's just change these. So And yes, a, a bonus to actually making miniatures out of them these days, that they're not
0: quite so fragile and bendy. <laughs> Definitely. I'm guessing that designing the specialist ammunition for the lawgiver would have been a lot of fun. Although I'm guessing a lot of it would have almost been a straight transfer from what Johnny Alpha's... um...
1: Yeah, in effect, we had done the the groundwork for it with uh, Johnny Alpha's Westinghouse Variable Cartridge Blaster, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: which, again, is a big character in the Strontium Dog uh, strips because it's this curious gun which can do amazing things sometimes. (laughs) Like, you know... If he needs to blow up a bunch of people at once, number four cartridge, boom, and it does that. But, you know, earlier in the strip, when he had a bunch of people to blow up, he didn't do it. Later, he doesn't do it, so clearly there's, like, some sort of ammunition issues or something going on where he doesn't just use it all the time. So we had to come up with a system for that, basically,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where, you know, the, the other capabilities of the weapon were used when it was dramatically important and, you know, tactically important and stuff like that, which is... We did that gun where you draw armory cards, and some of them can be used as ammunition, basically for the weapon, so that you can use it, you know, like a grenade launcher or what have you. In effect, for a one for a single shot, and that pretty much tracks across, yeah, to how lawgivers work as well, where they have all these amazing ammunition types that they use when it's dramatically appropriate. So, again, you know, a, a fairly limited amount to be used, so you don't just go banging your heat seekers off at everybody you fire at. And it seemed like it would work much the same way of like, you know, sometimes you've got it, sometimes you don't.
0: Yeah. As somebody that's uh, been playing the old role-playing game of Judge Dread, it's very, it seems to be a bit rare seeing them using general purpose bullets, which is, uh, mm. so yeah, I think you've got it right, the balance there, because it means that people always want to use armor piercing or, or rubber ricochet or yeah. wh- whatever it is that their favorite loadout is, which nothing wrong with that, but. Yeah, I like to see them getting used in a bit more of a mix of the ammunition and particularly general purpose.
1: Yeah, just a bit more general execution going in there as opposed to all the specialist rounds all the time. But yeah.
0: Did any of the other hardware in the the Judge Dread universe when you were adapting it for the game, did any of that present any particular problems? I mean, obviously some of it's kind of fairly high powered, the laser guns.
1: Yeah, well, they they can be covered by, you know, just giving them a stat line and stuff like that. That's, That's not so bad, but you do get some amazingly destructive things in Strong Team Dog, like time bombs already. So when it came to Judge it was like you, you kind of have less to worry about, really, to be honest. The, the, the very, very high sci-fi kind of stuff that can go flying around in Strong Team Dog. Again, just occasionally. You know, He doesn't always throw time bombs at people, but when it's dramatically appropriate, yes, he does. So we could come out to it. it it's a lot more uh, wargamey in a way in the way that you're looking at Kit. This thing, you know, there's gas and there's things like that to worry about, but nothing particularly complicated in its own. Riot Foam was a bit of a weird one to try and figure out.
0: Of course, I never really thought of it from that point of view yet. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, what does that do then? Um, so, yeah, a few little oddities like that, but, but nothing too dreadful, because we, we'd already had to um, cover a, a lot of ground for Strontium Dog on the front of how you deal with different um, different effects in the game.
0: Yeah, and as well as the armory and the big med cards that we already mentioned, the sentencing of perps is another thing that happens in the game which is very particular to Judge Dredd. Um, I thought it was another great flavoursome touch.
1: Yeah, and it, it's it's kind of in there purely for that, really, to be a with such, because, again, you read the strips, nine times out of ten in one of the strips, the the sentencing at the end is kind of the punchline to the story itself, you know, the the, the classic case of, like, uh, and you being taken hostage by a purpose, a crime, you know, you get six months and things like that. <laughs> it, it's kind of like the end of the story, or like. So it, it was an important feature, we felt, to, uh, to include something about the sentencing. I mean, it doesn't really have a game function unless you're playing a campaign, but um, clearly we had to have something to say about it. And Roger managed to dig around and found like a list of the different sentences and crimes from somewhere. Uh, I think like an old. 2008 annual or something like that that it it had been published and so we use that basically to create the table of like how much you should give people for different crimes which has some surprising things on it if I'm entirely honest but you know that kind of adds to the charm of it so
0: yeah it's uh, something I was quite interested in myself from having various versions of the the role-playing game because they've all got their own versions of uh of what the sentencing is so yeah it was quite interesting for me to look at it from that point of view as well and see where things were, were matching to what other things I'd, I'd had
1: yeah it's wild isn't it it's a real chinese whispers kind of thing <laughs> yeah. about you know what, what sentencing should be i mean nobody's to say that it's it's remained static for the entire duration of just dread either there, there are certainly things in the the list that we got which were you know clearly high crimes at the time like Stuky glanding. Yeah. Um, where you go, like, oh god, that's life, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's other things which are sort of like you know, like arson and property damage, where it's like, oh, you know, yeah, one to five years or six months or something
0: like that. It's, oh no, not that big a deal. It's like, really? But <laughs> so, uh... the stickies were just such cute aliens, that's why I mean, it, was, it was so bad to harvest them. That's mm. it, was obviously it touched the nerve with Judge Dredd somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, now that Judge Dredd's been out for a while. I think we've covered the whole range of everything that's in the book. I mean, can we expect the range to expand further? I think most fans would probably love to see the rest of the Dark Judges and, you know, the likes of the Angel Gang. Obviously, as you said, as we mentioned earlier on, there's been so many countless enemies that Dredd's faced. The potential there is pretty much limitless.
1: And this is it. And entire storylines as well. lest we forget where you know a, a fairly unique enemy appears and things like that. I'm thinking of specifically the Apocalypse War, for example. It's like oh, self judges, you know, which is an entire faction in its own right. I'm not in. I'm not fully privy um, to the future plans of Warlord. And even if I was, I couldn't say. But I do know that out of the 2000 AD titles that. Um, Warlord has a license for the, you know, Judge Dredd really is the jewel in the crown amongst all those. It's the most well known, the most popular strip in the 2000s, movies made about it in this whole nine yards. And as such, though, there will be plans to make further releases for Judge Dredd. Certainly in the past, we've talked about theming them, like I was saying about, you know, oh, you could do the Judge Charged Saga or you can do the Apocalypse War or something like that and make it a fairly bulky set of different things coming out at once. And maybe a book to go with it and stuff like that how far all those sort of plans are i don't know things have been very knocked around this year uh, obviously with covid and so forth so plans have gone backwards but i think i think i can safely guarantee you that there will be more thread things coming out in the future
0: yes that would be wonderful <laughs> i mean another thing is as well of course the fans are absolutely desperate to do rules for those things i mean you can adapt to the strontium dog rules pretty much the custom rules to to build your own characters in the meantime.
1: Yes. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of those old Judge uh, Games Workshop uh, Judge Red Miniatures, and the Foundry made some for a while as well, didn't they? No, it's Mongoose. Mongoose, well, I think both of those is actually true. So there's a number of miniatures already out there in the world that I I do see people tracking out and using them again, that's great. That's a, a nice reinforcement about why you put in those kind of build your own rules. Because the two thousand AD games are kind of a bit of a funny one. They're they're almost like a semi role playing game. You know, it's like a tabletop role play game. So having the uh, ability to be able to sort of like build your own stuff for it, I think it's actually quite valuable for it. People do seem to uh, enjoy that a lot.
0: Yeah, and it keeps people playing the game as well if they if they feel that they've given the, the existing range of managers are. That... A run out as it were and they want you kind of mix up uh, the action and sometimes as well i think i find as a player as well that i quite like if there's things i can do to interact with the rules or something i can make of my own and add to it then i always i'm sure you probably <laughs> hate fans messing about with, with, with their own mods and things but not so much that but i mean i think that would be quite a fun process to sit and build your characters of your favorites if you've if you've got other ones that you've got in mind you know yeah
1: yeah I, I always tend to view um, the rules I write as being as much a toolkit as anything else that you hand off to people to play the games they want to play you know you try and make a good set of tools that works together and you know we'll build a table of a certain size or what have you but it can also build a set of shelves if that's what they want or a chair if that's what they want that's the ideal and um, Strontium Dog and Judge Dread actually hit that fairly closely because I, I view it a bit more as a role-playing game. There's always a concern when you hand over the tools to players, God bless them, that they will, yes, then proceed to break the system with them, which is a possibility. So you have to be a bit wary about doing it in games that are going to be played competitively because in a competitive environment, then that sort of stuff can get out of hand very quickly indeed, and that's like literally break the game. But for something that's a lot more kind of like narrative base scenario based more role playing like these games tend to be and i should hasten to add, you can play it competitively of course you'll just need to stick to vanilla what's in the book having that there is, is yeah it's, it's actually it's a boon rather than being a detriment as it could be in a more competitive style of game
0: yeah and i'd imagine a lot of 2000d fans or gamers probably aren't that competitive anyway. I would imagine that it's more a kind of casual thing and it's because they...
1: Yeah, they, they get into two thousand something like AD in the first place because they like the narrative, yeah. is the truth of it. They like the characters and the stories. So it's definitely a, a, a good bet that um, a presenting system that supports that more strongly perhaps than the hard-edged competitive play is the right way to go with it.
0: Yeah. Well, if you mentioned in last week that... you had mentioned a certain warp spasming warrior from the land of the young uh, presumably in general terms the uh, the future's bright for two thousand eighty tabletop games.
1: Yeah in general I say it's an ongoing thing for Warlord, you know they have two thousand eight strips, they are huge fans of it. And like most of the older guys that are there are like me, they you know, we read it literally on the school plate. So it means a lot to us. So in the most, and part of the challenge if i'm honest is to not just put out just dread stuff all the time so next up uh will be slain the warped one himself which is a uh, a fairly unique thing certainly in AD and, and kind of among comics in general in but it's a fantasy hero most AD's leanings tend to be towards you know more sci-fi stuff or contemporary so Full-on fantasy stuff is a bit more of a rarity. And certainly ones that are as long running as Slane has been. You know, well, he's unique in that respect. He's the, the one abiding symbol of fantasy in the 2008 comic, really. And he is one of those sort of like featured heroes that you'll see when you whenever you see a, a pastiche of different 2008 characters, it will usually have Slane in it. So we felt we should tackle that one next, uh, and get some fantasy figures out there.
0: Too. Yeah, that'll be a nice
1: change. Yeah, big change place. Can you see where the problem's going to come in? <laughs> uh, the problem that comes in is when you take your nice, shiny, well-developed universal system for doing sci-fi gunfights, which is really what we did with Strontium Dark and Judge Dread, and try and apply it to a fantasy game. Yeah. So we, we, we went through some, some um, quite a lot of development, actually, in the end because of delays and stuff like that. We spent over a year on this. Uh, we worked on Slain you know, initially to be quite different because it's like, well, clearly it's fantasy so we'll need to rework the rules a lot
0: mm-hmm.
1: because the, the whole dynamics of like, well, you just, you're just you actually moving models into base-to-base contact and then resolving fights is going to be what most of the game is, you know, you're not ducking around cover and stuff like that, so the emphasis was in like an entirely different place. I mean, you can fight people in close combat in Strontium, Dark and Just Dread, and you know, then you'll bash, it, bash each other around a bit, but it's kind of a supplemental thing as well as shooting at each other. Whereas it was pretty clear in Slain, I mean, missile weapons are not very prevalent in Slain. You know, you'll you'll get the occasional bit of using bows or throwing spears or stuff like that, but it's again, it's 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 about as frequent as time bombs, if I'm entirely honest. So it was clear we'd need to do a lot with the the melee combat system.
0: I'll be excited to see what you you bring out with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what can I say
1: about it, really? What I was going to say is, like, we, we kind of veered off quite a lot into the weeds at one point about making the system a bit different. And then, again, looking at the kind of response that we had from Judge Dread and Strong Dog about similarities in the rules, we, we actually made a conscious effort to try and pull it back to be as close as I feel I can make it to the, the other two game systems, but basically with a, a, a more highly detailed close combat system uh, of like heroic close combat. Which actually kind of like it uses, uh, it uses cards as well for feats basically, all your salmon and stuff oh, no. like that. Uh, cards so that kind of replaces your armory, and then we've got a system of boons as well for the gods. Oh, that's okay. Um, so that there is magic, you know, we've got like sour magic and earth magic that you can use and stuff like that, which can be blessings or you know, literal like uh, crows trying to pick out your eyes, um, depending on what the spell is. and um, so again, after using the cards it enabled us to get a lot of flavor into the, into the uh, the game in general that was reflect from the strips about what it's all like. So the close combat is quite bashy and it's a contested style of combat as well. Like if you're fighting another hero, you'll both be throwing feats at each other. and there's various conditions that can apply, which means that because they're divided into like suits so, like sun and moon feats. And depending on the the aspect at the time and things like that, one can be more powerful than the other we're trying to like riff off of all the the cosmic stuff going on in pat mills works uh and it's actually it's pretty good it's good fun it is good fun um it is quite different you know we've tried to make it more similar than different and certainly when i was writing the rules i've actually actively flagged up the look out guys this bit is different sections uh for people from the other from the other game systems because as you say you're kind of getting to a point where if they get one 2000 ad game there's a good chance they're going to get others as well because they're likely 2000 ad fans so um, again wants to be really kind of like sensitive to that possibility and not put up any walls for people because not everybody loves to read you know war games rules i'm not that fond of it myself so try and make the transitions uh, as smooth as we can
0: no that's a great idea because um i did read the dread rules really carefully just in case there were any kind of tweaks that I wasn't, so obviously there was a lot of it. It's just I was like, right, that's that's the same, that's the same, that's the same. Yeah, but I was reading it properly, but just you know, as I said, just in case there was any kind of minor tweaks to the game. But so I think that that would be great, actually. Yeah, we, we,
1: try, we try to avoid doing stuff like that, uh, and and basically add some slightly more in-depth rules where you might need them. Out. There's a bit more about buildings, basically, and just drag on the assumption that you're likely to be playing like City One, and you might need to, you know. Break into a shop front or what have you. So there's rules there for how to deal with locked doors and stuff like that. But um, that was it. I say they, they're very much the idea was to keep the calls the same. We did kind of like vary the stat lines a little bit. Stuff in Judge dread tends to be uh, less tough. It's got less resist as a rule. It tends to be a bit more evadey, which just purely predicated on the fact that you know your citizens and your gangs they aren't tough mutants. They're just guys who are a, a bit more skinny and light on their feet, probably. So, just try to reflect a few minor tweaks like that in the course of doing the two different games. But I say fundamentally, though, they intermesh with each other a lot. I can't say that you'd necessarily be able to unleash Slain into uh, Mega City 1 without a little bit of work. <laughs> but, um,
0: in fairness, even Pat Mills hasn't done that. No.
1: No, in, in theory, it would be a possibility. And yeah, the, the whole thing like, well, do we do the Time Killer thing with like lasers and Scythrons and all the rest of it, it came up? But uh, we decided to go to classic uh, Egg territory instead.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, as much as I love the, the Time Killer series and then the Tomb of, uh, oh, what was it? I forget the, the god's name now. The tomb of
1: whatever his name was. It was something unpronounceable, wasn't yeah, it was it? was
0: like Grisman or something. I can't remember, but. <laughs> Yeah. as much as a fan if I was I mean I thought I was like peak imagination on Slaying.
1: oh I love the series I, read it. I really enjoyed it and it, it, it really was quite different for Slaying, and it's one of the reasons I enjoyed it as well and it was yeah it was crazy you know it was all crazy it had laser
0: pistols and shit like that yeah, but it, yeah, it, it's it's absolutely not representative of the of the strip at large <laughs> across the across the period. I would say so. When there there ones,
1: and they've never done it again, basically. So it it didn't seem like it should be our first port of call when it came to slate. No, but again, much like just much like Strontium, Team Dove, that's not to say at some point in the future we don't do a little box set of Seth and with lasers or what have you, because we can.
0: Yeah,
1: that would be fun. We stop us. <laughs> <laughs> Again, with slaying, there's a fair bit to cover before you can get on
0: to stuff like that, really.
1: But it, it all kind of depends on Paul, really. It depends on whether he's at his wheat house in the morning
0: or not. <laughs> well, I hope nobody does stop you, Andy, because uh, I think I'm not alone in really enjoying living, having access to playing 2000 AD characters on the tabletop. And it's yeah, it's been a real pleasure to me to be able to ask you about all this and, and to follow your story from where it all began right the way through to you know what might be coming down the road now. So I really appreciate you giving your time to us and, and coming on to talk about it.
1: No worries at all. It's it's such a pleasure. It really is just like a, a, a real secret guilty pleasure to be able to work on 2000 AD games in the first place because, as I touched on, they mean a lot to me and to the other guys working on it. So... It's really sort of, it's quite the honour really to be able to do it at all, so I'm very happy to talk about it and battle
0: on. <laughs> no, well, it's a pleasure to play the games as I say, from the, you know, same as yourself a, a, a huge fan of the comics and uh, and to be able to do it on the tabletop is great. It's like uh, as I said, I think I said in the previous episode, it's where I started out with my game and was Judge Dredd and, and so to have it come full circle later on in mm-hmm. life is it's a, a real pleasure so thank you very much. And there you have it. Not only did I not expect an exclusive about what the next 2000 AD game would be, but we also found out some details about the mechanics. It's already had me thinking about the various miniatures, particularly what a warp spasming slain miniature would look like. I've also been wondering about which abilities his character would have, and perhaps fitting in with some of the chicanery that we saw in the Strontium Dog miniatures game, how the character of Uko would work with his sneakiness, greed, and general cowardice. However it works, I'm sure it will be fantastic as I think Andy's love and knowledge of the 2000 AD source material is shown through across both these interviews. I'm incredibly grateful to him for taking a chance on us and coming on here to share his thoughts on the games. And I'm sure everyone would agree that he gave us a very interesting and entertaining insight into Warlord Games' 2000 D project. I also want to thank everyone who has been listening, subscribing, sharing, liking and commenting upon our podcasts. We're still in the early days of building a following, so anything you can do to recommend this to friends is a wonderful help. And rest assured that we'll be back again very soon as we field more questions from the community for Free League's alien role-playing game. So until then, keep on living the life of die.